Hello, and welcome to the Reorient Podcast, the show about international issues and international people with an Asian twist. My name is Jesse Friedlander. And I'm Madhavi Peters, also known as the Tropicalist. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm very pleased to have my friend, Furun Songfar Zerni, who is a wonderful young man, uh, certainly young to me, uh, and a friend of mine I've known for many years, and uh, looking forward to a fascinating discussion. So uh, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Jesse, and thank you very much for inviting You have, a, I think, a unique background, and I cannot give it any justice. So may I ask you, please, just to give a simple introduction to some of the salient parts of your history and how you came to be where you are today? Yeah, uh, sure. Happy to. Um, so born, uh, I was born in Tajikistan. Back then it was the Soviet Union. Uh, so uh, on my passport, officially born in the USSR. But shortly after it collapsed with the USSR, led to the independence of my home country, Tajikistan. So born in Tajikistan, but uh, left Tajikistan early in my childhood to live in Yemen, and then Sweden, and then Russia, uh, and then did uh, my degree here in Hong Kong. And kind of stayed here ever since. So I've been living in Hong Kong for now uh, 10 plus years and consider it my home. That's kind of my personal background, but uh, all of those travels uh, we'll probably come back to and it will lead uh, to some interesting insights around both my personal life and my work. But all of that travel um, led me to join a venture fund. Sorry, can we just touch quickly what you did for your university study? Because a lot of people will be interested in that. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, so I did uh, my degree in economics and finance. So the dual degree here at uh, the Hong Kong University. Excellent. Thank great, you. Great school. Yeah. Uh, can't, can't say enough about uh, the great professors there. And uh, just um, it was it was eye opening after, I think, uh, going through international schools in Europe and Asia. The HKU was a very tough school. Mm. So <laughs> very happy I went to it. <laughs> Shortly after university, I actually um, didn't join a, a traditional career path. I started my own business. And so that led me into an entrepreneurial career path. Um, started my own business. What type of business? It was, a, a, it was focused on data analytics, mm-hmm. specifically around physical events. Mm-hmm. And so we tried to uh, analyze um, sentiments around physically organized conferences, specifically in the finance background. Mm. So an example would be a private bank hosting one of their full-day investment conferences, and we would try to analyze data around it and then sell it back to the bank, mm. tell mm. them what the clients are interested in, mm. what are some of the, the trends that the clients are you know, discussing and talking about. Yeah. So I started that business in 2012, mm-hmm. uh, got funding, did the whole entrepreneurial kind of journey starting uh, from zero to like one. I'd say we never got past the one, but got funded, built a team, built a product, had, had cash flow, ultimately still failed. Uh, so didn't get the business to where we wanted it. But that was my foot into the innovation ecosystem. Mm. And uh, fast forward a few years later, my first investor actually asked me to join his fund. So that was kind of my circle back and he was, he, he jokes, like, you were, you were an okay entrepreneur and hopefully you'll be a better <laughs> investor. And so 2016, I joined Fresco full-time and we've kind of hit the road running. We went from, I think, about 30 portfolio companies to now uh, over 60 
So to be uh, just clear for people, Fresco is a venture capital firm that was started when and founded where and and operations where? Yeah. So uh, Fresco Capital was founded in 2012 here in Hong Kong. So the three original uh, partners uh, started it. And one of their core thesis was global uh, seed investing. And so it, it was quite contrarian at that time and even still now because a lot of seed investors are very geographically anchored down to their location. Uh, so let's say an investor in Silicon Valley primarily looks at Silicon Valley deals. An investor in New York will primarily look at New York deals, especially in the seed stage. I think growth stage, you start to see a more global capital base. But in seed, it was quite rare to be cross-border. Uh, I think that's changing now, especially with you know the current global environment and Zoom calls and all of that. But I would say Fresco was one of the early global seed investors. And so they started uh, in 2012 and grew that to 30 uh, companies. And with me joining, we doubled that uh, in, a, in a couple more years. Our core thesis is um, investing in uh, three pillars. So Can I I'll just stop you there because mm-hmm. I want to drill down on Fresco, but... Mm-hmm. Just because your background is so interesting and you, you went through that, um, I'd like just to talk a little bit about your pre-Fresco background. Okay. Um, so you were born in Tajikistan. Uh, you moved to Yemen uh-huh. and then to uh, Sweden, then to Russia, and then eventually to Hong Kong. Yep. That's correct, the progression, <laughs> which is quite a, a route. Um, I guess I'm just interested, one to know is um, sort of generally what brought you your, and your family to these places? And also, what are some of the poignant memories you have from such a you know, fairly, to my eyes, a pretty unique uh, childhood? Yeah, definitely uh, on the more wild side in terms of like countries picked. I don't think that sequence of countries is, uh, is too common. Yeah, you may be the first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I, a lot of people usually ask me, my parents are diplomats. They're not. Uh, <laughs> And what people don't typically associate uh, with like undercover uh, kind of people who can travel a lot are academics uh, and especially academics within the university circuit. They get to uh, get invited to a lot of uh, different countries and different tenures around the world. And so both of my parents are academics and therefore that allowed them to move uh, rather freely in the, in the 90s. That's really interesting. And, and um, you know, I come from the U.S. or sort of the Western sort of academic framework, and we don't have as much exposure to, say, universities in the wider world, say, the, the Middle East, Africa, Asia, etc. Are the sort of associations and linkages between universities where academics can go and, you know, to study or give courses, is it its own ecosystem or, or sort of... Do you have a sense for how those relationships work where it allows flow of people and ideas between universities? I think I wouldn't be able to answer on behalf of my parents because yeah. uh, they were the ones making it happen. Mm. Uh, but I do think that specifically for certain topics that are more cross-border, you get a little bit more yes. of okay. a global ecosystem. Makes sense. Right? So my mother's uh, work was around cultural studies and philosophy and specifically around philosophy of Central Asia. And so there was multiple universities that were interested in her works. Oh, okay. And so that got, that got her to move around. Makes sense. Because uh, they kept you know, funding her research. Why don't you come here? Why don't okay. you come there? Okay, makes a lot of sense. 
So, um, so I, yeah, I was curious, given uh, you lived in these different places, what are just, I'm just curious, any sort of interesting memories or experiences that stick out most from your upbringing, your childhood? Uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think uh, with Yemen, maybe especially with its current situation, what a lot of people maybe overlook is how historically rich and overall well uh, the country was doing before its current uh, predicament. People were super kind, very generous, always uh, very warm to each other, but not just the people, the city itself. So Sana'a, the capital, is one of the oldest metropolitan cities in, in, in the history of the world. People don't realize its ancient history. Coffee was generally founded around that area, either Ethiopia or Yemen. So a lot of these things are kind of overlooked. Mm. Um, and all we see today about Yemen is it's either terrorists. I think the U.S. just uh, announced that uh, the one of the, the factions in Yemen are considered terrorists now. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's famine, there's no uh, medical supplies, and it's a very tough situation. So people don't realize... Right, so you experienced Yemen in a period that was uh, very peaceful, stable, warm. You have very, very fond memories of that period. Yeah, yeah. they were. It was. It was basically uh, like any uh, global city. Wow. Uh, it was international. It was. A, I went to international school. Um, my classmates were, again, other international students. Uh, they had embassies and uh, diplomatic uh, corpuses um, and organizations and institutions. And Sana'a was a major trade hub. Uh, so Sana'a was one of the trade hubs that would, uh, we, we will touch this later yeah. on, on trade, but yeah. it was one of the stops. Okay. So um, again, I think this is an interesting topic. Any sort of particular memories from Sweden or Russia before we get to Hong Kong? Yeah, uh, it's, it, it was like a 180 degree difference, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of kind of the weather mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, as one, but also the people were just as uh, warm and welcome but from a slightly different perspective, they nevertheless, you know, I think weather does affect <laughs> <laughs> it does a lot. Initial, uh, initial impressions at least. But yes. uh, similarly, the thing that I saw consistent amongst all of them is how welcoming everybody was. Mm. And so uh, in Sweden, we lived in Gothenburg, which is the second largest city, not Stockholm, the capital. Mm. And it, it, Gothenburg is mostly built around its universities. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, in, in the university life, it's almost like a bubble where people are always interested in knowledge, always curious. And I think that was consistent throughout all of these places, and I, which is marvelous because culturally they're so different. Yes. Um, uh, Yemen, they, they, people have dessert before they have their main course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they are all very relaxed. They will chew their cut, which is a, a tree branch. In Sweden, uh, you know, people will have their potatoes and salmon <laughs> and no tree chewing. So culturally very different. But what was very consistent amongst all of these places was the academic circles uh, kind of hunger for knowledge. Mm. And that kind of stuck wow. uh, at all places. Okay, what about Russia? Uh, same with Russia. I think uh, Russia is no different than that. I think the biggest probably different differentiator between the other two is when we moved to Russia, Russia was on the upward trajectory in terms of economic, almost economic rebound, because post-Soviet Union's collapse, uh, Russia's economy was in a mess. It was a very poor uh, nation. But starting from around 1999, they were really picking things up. And 
my family was able to kind of ride part of that uh, economic growth. And so you could see the difference between literally uh, the mid-90s and then the mid-2000s, how like wardrobes changed, how people's mentalities towards travel and globalization changed, uh, their music consumption changed. It was fantastic. Uh, wow. It, it was exciting period. It was very exciting yeah. because there was a lot, and still is, but back then there was a lot of energy there. Yes. In what year did you come to Hong Kong? I came to Hong Kong in 2008. And that was without your family, just uh, on your own? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the family, my family members are all over the world right now because uh, due to uh, Tajikistan. Tajikistan so was one of the only countries that has civil war after mm-hmm. the USSR's collapse. Most other countries. The 16 other states had a smooth transition. Mm. Tajikistan had a civil war. Mm. And so a lot of my family members actually uh, escaped or left the country. And so I had a lot of family in the West, in London, in, in Canada, in, in, in Europe. And so my grandmother decided uh, that I'll be one of the first to go eastward. <laughs> <laughs> Good to diversify. Or, exactly. Yeah. So she's the matriarch. Yes. Um, of the family so mm-hmm. she decided you know uh, you're my eldest son mm-hmm. you'll probably <laughs> not die <laughs> if we send you east yeah uh, so here i was uh straight out of univer- uh, school yeah. going to university I see. uh in hong kong and what were you just uh, your early impressions of hong kong early impressions was um i think uh it was unlike anything i, I had seen before uh, the density the 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 complexity of the infrastructure uh, because uh, you have to remember before this I lived in Yemen I lived in Gothenburg I lived in Moscow and none of those cities had the same skyscraper density as Hong Kong uh, same public infrastructure as Hong Kong and just arriving and seeing all that and I think at that point even London or New York wasn't I think Hong Kong still has the number one skyscraper density in the world. Uh, that was a big kind of cultural shock. Mm-hmm. And I came in a little late in the academic semester because of visa issues. Uh, so I basically didn't have an orientation and basically hit the ground running. <laughs> <laughs> so what I saw was extremely, uh, you know, brilliant students yes. from, day, from day 30. <laughs> they were already day 30. I was in day one. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, what I had to do, I, I had no acclimatation period. So as soon as I came in, I had to go hit the classes. And okay. and so that was both a, a good thing and probably a bad thing. But it also, the, it, I mean, Hong Kong is a place where people are running. You know, it's a very fast-paced place, fast place, uh, city or territory. And so the fact that you came here running, you know, you pretty much... Like acclimated <laughs> to what Hong Kong life is like. Yeah, yeah. in a weird way, that was the yeah. accommodation. They, yeah. they didn't let me yeah. settle down. They're yeah. like, all right, right, here, you come in so, uh, this night, tomorrow morning, you have seven classes. Yeah. Uh, here you go. Okay. Um, so back to Fresco. It's a global firm doing seed capital, and you're covering uh, what regions or what countries? Yeah, so we like to look at uh, markets with uh, kind of three uh, lenses. So the first one is talent. What does the local talent market look like? Are there enough high quality people to build businesses? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you naturally gravitate towards larger countries, uh, but not not always. And I'll give you a couple of examples about that. India is one, uh, China, the U.S., uh, Southeast Asia. So that type of talent density is important. Second is the market size. 
is the the market that that population or that city built into can they access a large market so another example here is Estonia as a country is quite small as a population quite small lots of talent but it access the european market so yes. that's kind of what we mean by the type of market it can access hong kong ironically doesn't always fit the bill of accessing a large market because you you think it would access china but hong kong doesn't have the easiest path accessing the chinese market yes. language culture uh, slight differences that uh, don't make it as frictionless as maybe some outsiders might think so uh, market is the second uh, lens that we look at and then um, the third uh, geographic kind of lens we look at is supply demand of capital mm. how many other investors are there right silicon valley has a million uh, other seed investors so th- there's obviously an abundance of capital mm. but the the ratio there still kind of works to where there's still a lot of great companies uh, being built but then let's take europe there's there's actually an abundance of seed capital in europe where to the point where there's an overabundance germany had a history of this in the early 2000s where they actually overfunded their venture capital ecosystem where it led to negative growth where too many founders who were not supposed to be building businesses were building businesses so that that's the third thing that we look at and so once we have that framework the the markets that we particularly take notice is the US that's natural so north america i'd say uh, canada connects the US market here in asia we like southeast asia and uh, we take selective looks at both india and china so in, in personally which markets are are you most active in mm-hmm. uh, we don't dissect the markets based on uh, the the partners are that are involved. We will look at. Uh, so you're going to all these places, all global markets. Okay, right. great. So for as far one of the things that you know was interesting to talk to you about is you know you know investments and in, in venture capital. You're very globally understand culture. So one of the things I want to talk to you about is sort of the nexus between mm-hmm. culture and uh, venture capital, and uh, you have a great perspective because you're going into all these countries, meeting these people, getting to know them. And also you probably, you know, there's elements, uh, cultural elements in the bit to start a business is a very difficult thing. Mm-hmm. So you add on other layers to it that uh, might make it more difficult or easier. It could be culture. So love to hear your thoughts about how culture impacts uh, your work. Yeah. I think that's a great overlooked or less understood aspect of, global investing especially in the early stage and uh, entrepreneurial aspects so i think both my personal background and the team's background really lends itself to looking at a lot of different cultures and trying to understand them and be as supportive and helpful as uh, we possibly can and I think- thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed this portion of the podcast to access the entire podcast and more high-quality analysis on Asia, please visit our website, reorientpodcast.com. That's one word, all lower caps, reorientpodcast.com.